This is Nick Costos, and you are listening to the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast with my guy, the host with the most, Tim Monk. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards, where you all know by now, every yard counts. Another NFL podcast for you here today, for first podcast of the week. Uh, and on the back of our QB rankings pod last week, uh, and of course the start of training camp, I thought, uh, since there's a few interests in uh, you know, camp battles at QB, I thought I'd spend a bit of time hypothesising about how it could all play out. But I've called in an expert, I've called in the man, the legend, uh, especially when it comes to talk about uh, the New York football giants. We welcome back Nick Costas. Nick, how are we doing? My man, Tim, thank you very much. I, you know, I'll always come on your pod as long as you keep referring to me as a legend. I like that, my friend. Thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, obviously, Nick, uh, for those of you that don't know Nick, he is an absolutely massive New York Giants fan. So, Nick, I, I suppose we have to start off there. Um, what was your, what, cast your mind back to April 25th, draft night, pick six, uh, which is probably not the best uh, pick to take a QB, but maybe that's a premonition, I, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, cast your mind back, pick six. What was your immediate gut reaction? I was devastated. Uh, I was very unhappy when uh, when 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 I found out when when the commissioner announced that it was Daniel Jones. I had a what I thought was pretty good intel from people whom I trust that are connected with the organization who had given me um, the last couple of picks before that in previous years. Like I, I knew Saquon was going to be their pick well, you know, well in advance of the pick actually happening, and I I was told the pick was going to be Josh Allen, the pass rusher out of Kentucky, who eventually went to the Jaguars. So I was fired up about the potential of getting Allen and then maybe getting Daniel Jones. But um, when the Giants took him at six, obviously it was kind of shock. It's kind of like the situation where it's like, you know that bad stuff is is around the corner, but you really hope that it's not. But deep down, like you know that it's coming. Yeah. So like while it was a bit of a shock and a bit of a surprise, and I was kind of like slack jawed for a few minutes before I could really even send a tweet out giving my thoughts. It was, it, it was like yeah, it, it sucked at the moment, but I've kind of I'm trying to talk myself into it now and and try to be somewhat optimistic. Although it's it's very hard to be optimistic right now about the the 2019 New York football Giants. Yeah. Does it does it sting a bit more just because of what happened last year, obviously with the Saquon pick and obviously having Sam Darnold available? Yes, of course. Um, and then, but like, it, it's just, it all stings. Like everything stings, you know, whether it's, you know, the hiring of Pat Shermer, that stings. You know, the trading of Odell Beckham, that stings. Taking a running back second overall, that stings. Like the team stinks. I don't see where the pass rush is coming from. Um, I think their best case scenario is to is to try and do like what the Cowboys have done, um, run the football, control the clock. But even Dallas had a legitimate pass rusher in Demarcus Lawrence and has a better defense than the Giants are going to field. So I just don't see any way that this team is even competitive this year. I think eight and eight would have like the stars would have to align for the Giants to even get to five hundred this year. <laughs> I think below five hundred is extraordinarily likely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, talking about obviously the dynamic now, obviously Daniel Jones joins Eli Manning in, in the backfield, and it's just a, it's just a weird uh, weird happenings that are, that are going on there. Obviously with the the benching for Geno Smith last year, and you know it just just it just seems to have an aura now of where you know he just can't seem to do anything wrong. He will be the week one starter. What's uh, what do you, what do you think? What do you make of the comments that came out saying that you know the range from Daniel Jones can be the week one starter to you know he could sit to two or three years. Um, I, I don't think they know what they're doing, really. Um, I try not to put too much stock into comments like that because I think it'll all eventually play out on the field. I, I just think that there's kind of like, it seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the, the general manager, Dave Gettleman, and the head coach, Pat Shermer. I think it's hard to have confidence in either guy 
right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say this. Like, I, I do think that it's just conjecture right now. If Eli falls flat on his face the first couple games of the season and they're losing all those games, Daniel Jones should play. Conversely, if Eli's playing decently and the Giants are, you know, staying in the wild card hunt for the first however many weeks of the season, <laughs> Eli should stay the quarterback. So I try not to put too much stock in comments like that. I think it'll all play out on the field. Absolutely. And a bit of a tale of the tape, I suppose. Eli Manning obviously got you the uh, couple of rings, but has a 116, 114 career record. Uh, but just a one winning season in six years, which obviously uh, is a you know, testament to kind of how he's been playing over the last couple of years. But then on the other side, you've, you know, you've got Daniel Jones, uh, quarterback out of Duke. Um, yeah, he's never topped 3,000 yards in any year at college, around 60% completion. Well, I, I don't know how much you look, you watched his tape or you know about him when he was at Duke. Was he, is he a, as bad as the stats say on tape? Well, I, I, I think that there's a couple things kind of to, to, take, into, to take into account here. And, and I know that everyone was kind of criticizing the Duke receivers, and, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And if you go back and you look at the Daniel Jones tape, um, you will see that, that, that a lot of times Daniel Jones is let down by, by the players around him. But I think it's also fair to say, right, that Daniel Jones was not necessarily as impressive throwing the football as some other quarterbacks that we've seen come out recently, whether it's Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or uh, or other quarterbacks as well. The thing that excites me about Daniel Jones and um, and should excite Giants fans, and really I think even like fantasy football players, once Daniel Jones gets into the lineup, he is a much, much better athlete yeah. than he's given credit for. Yeah. And in Pat Shermer's offense in theory, and like we can kind of look to see what, what Case Keenum did a couple years ago in that Vikings offense when Shermer was the OC there, you know, he wants to get the quarterback out of the pocket, moving around in these bootlegs. Daniel Jones has tremendous, tremendous athleticism. I think he's an underrated runner with the football, and that's an added dimension to this offense that they obviously have not had with uh, with Eli Manning, which is like a statue back there. So, I think that Daniel Jones is going to be more exciting than a lot of people think. Just a boring, you know, statuesque quarterback. Get him in there, and he's going to be like Eli Part 2. That's not the case. Mm. He's a terrific athlete, and I think that he's going to excite some people when he mm. does get into the lineup. Do you, do you think that uh, if, he, if he, say, Daniel Jones doesn't play in the, in the senior bowl, do you think you still draft him at six? Or draft you know, him at all. It's it that's tough to say because then it's like you're trying to get inside Dave Gettleman's mind and <laughs> you don't want to go. And that's a that's a scary place yeah. and one that I don't want to be in. No, absolutely. So, so are we are we saying are we saying Daniel Jones at some point in this season? Do you reckon that's that's nailed on rather than the sort of the two or three years that's coming out? Are we thinking maybe a couple of weeks in and you know, Daniel everyone would be calling for Daniel Jones? Well, I think it would be dumb not to play him because I think the only way case that you could make for Daniel Jones not playing this season is if the Giants are in playoff contention throughout. And like week 16 and week 17, they've still got a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see that happening. So like the at worst, the moment the Giants are eliminated from playoff contention, Daniel Jones should be playing. That is the worst case scenario for Daniel Jones. I think it's going to be likely that this team's going to be out of it by Thanksgiving. And, and, and there's no reason why Daniel Jones shouldn't start at, at that point here. So I would be flat out stunned if Daniel Jones did not play at some point this year. Because, again, the only way that Eli should be starting all 16 games is, is if they're in contention the entire season. And I do not see that being the case. No, I certainly, certainly agree here. So uh, you, you mentioned, obviously, Daniel Jones at Duke being let down by his wide receivers. It's not, uh, not a great story, uh, not, not a great wide receiver core to come, in, to come into either. Yes, I mean, I, I felt pretty confident about um, about the Giants covering week one in Dallas um, before all these wide receiver injuries. And look, it's not like, you know, the Corey Coleman injury is is what it is. 
it's not like the number three receiver in the Giants offense was going to produce regardless of who it is. So, like, I think that stinks, and I was kind of excited for Coleman, who had the first-round pedigree. So that kind of stunk. The Golden Tate thing is obviously much more problematic. Um, going to be suspended for the first four games of the season. This wide receiving core is is very bad. It's going to be a lot of handoffs to Saquon Barkley. And I think the Giants are going to have a rough go of it the first couple weeks of the regular season until Golden Tate is able to get back. But once... Once Tate is back from this suspension, and assuming Sterling Shepard can stay healthy and Angram can stay healthy and Saquon can stay healthy, I'm curious to see what this offense is going to look like when, and I'm not even going to say if, I'll say when, Daniel Jones gets into the lineup. But obviously, this is not a great receiving core. No, absolutely. And that, that brings me on to, obviously, tight end Evan Ingram, who had a, a very good year in year one uh, when he when he came into the league. Do we, do we think that, you know, from a fantasy perspective, that he's going to be a kind of a, a, a sneaky pick? I know he's middle rounds, but, um, you know, considering what the, the wide receiving uh, situa- situation was like in year one for Evan Ingram, do we see him return to, to those kind of levels for him? I think he's. I think he has the potential to have a very good season. Now, I think that you know it's obviously Kelsey's the you know the number one tight end. Then George Kittle would be number two. I know a lot of people are high on Zach Ertz. I'm not looking to take Zach Ertz high in fantasy this year, just because I think there's so many mouths to feed on that Eagles offense. And Dallas Goddard, last year's second round pick at tight end, really started to emerge, and I think that he'll obviously siphon off some of those targets from Zach Ertz. So I would kind of you know lump Ertz in in that in that next tier maybe with OJ Howard. With Evan Ingram, I'm sure there's maybe one other player that I'm forgetting right now that I would put in that tight end tier. But I think Ingram, you know, I, I think there's a case to be made for Ingram possibly having the most targets of anyone on this Giants in this yeah. Giants receiving core. And I think when we talk about the Giants receivers, it shouldn't just be the wideouts; it should be Ingram as well. And I think Ingram definitely has has obviously has good touchdown potential, and I think he's going to put up pretty big numbers this year if he can stay healthy. So fantasy wise, for Evan Ingram, I don't like him as much as Kelsey or Kittle, but I do like him in that next wave of tight ends there in that second tier. Absolutely. And to, just to, to finish off on the wide receivers, do, do, can you see or do you envisage the Giants bringing in anyone in at all? Well, I mean, sure, they're going to bring people in, but, like, are those people going to make an impact at all? Yeah. Like, I've seen Des Bryant's name bandied about. Like, what can Des Bryant do at this point <laughs> in his career? So, like, will they bring people in? Of course. Like, they need warm bodies to play the position, but are those players going to be difference makers? Uh, I would say probably not. No. All right. So, let's let's hypothesize any a year from now. So, Giants, I don't know, say, you know, early fifth sixth seventh pick or something something like that do we can is it is it within the realms of possibility that we can see them take another qb regardless of what Jan, daniel jones does no chance i think it would it would have to be eli would have to get hurt and Dan, early in the season and daniel jones would have to fall on his face in absolutely epic fashion for that to be the case i, I think that Unless they go 0-16 or 1-15, and and this is just like one of the great dumpster fire seasons <laughs> of all time, I think that Gettleman and Sherber are both going to be back next season. Because we have to remember, right, when Eli Manning was a rookie, and I covered the Giants Eli's rookie year in 2004, Eli was not good his rookie year. He didn't really start to put it together until... He had that rookie duel with Ben Roethlisberger when, when Ben, of course, was the rookie for the Steelers. And then Eli started to play better the last couple of weeks of the season, almost led a last-second comeback in Cincinnati in Week 16, and then Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys. Meaningless game, but Eli, you know, checked to a run at the end of the game to Tiki. Giants score a touchdown. They win the game. So Eli closed on a good note, but, I mean, that offseason going into year two, people were like, very, very down on Eli Manning. I remember reading Football Outsiders and and their historical comp for Eli Manning after his rookie year was Billy Joe Tolliver. And I had watched (laughs) Eli down the stretch and I knew that wasn't the case. But 
the, the point is, is that Eli was not good his rookie year. So even if Daniel Jones is as bad as Eli was in Eli's rookie year, like that's still it, I mean, it's, it's still not going to be enough to have them pick a quarterback in the first round next year. So I think that is extremely, extremely unlikely um, that that would be the case. And, and if the Giants are going to tank or whatever or be terrible, then hopefully it'll be in two years when they can draft Trevor Lawrence yeah. out of Clemson because I like him a lot better than, than Tua or Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert or any of these quarterbacks looking to come out after this year. Yeah, you certainly, you certainly do love it, Trevor Lawrence. Does it, would you reckon that the New, the New York media might call for a quarterback if, if that does happen next year? Uh, yeah, the New York media does lots of things, but I mean, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. I mean, like, like they could... I, I think the New York media is smart enough to... Again... Daniel Jones, if the Giants were to pick another quarterback in the first round next year, it would, it would require a confluence of events like what we saw with the Cardinals trading Josh Rosen yeah. after, and then picking Kyler Murray. Like, like, th- like the, the, the series of events that led up to that, like you could, if one of like 10 things had gone differently, just one of 10 things, that would not have happened. Like that was a crazy series of events that unfolded. I do not foresee that happening. And I'm, I don't think the Giants are a forward-thinking enough organization, quite frankly, too. Even if they fired Pat Shermer to hire a Lincoln Riley or, or mm-hmm. hire someone like an air raid um, coach, I don't think the Giants are that kind of organization, mm-hmm. at least not yet. So I think highly unlikely that that would be the case. Fair enough. All right, okay, a couple of other, obviously, quarterback battles that are making the news in training camp. So uh, Washington Massart over there in the in the nation's capital. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, picked 15 in this year's draft. Uh, obviously, joined by Case Keenum. What's your, what's your thoughts there on, on Washington in terms of the week one starter? Because that Washington first four or five games uh, is a bit brutal. Um, if it's me, I'm starting Dwayne Haskins, and I'm not looking back. Now, I think that this is a critical year for the head coach, Jay Gruden. Absolutely. Obviously, if this team doesn't show something or if Haskins doesn't develop, you know, he's going to be on his way out. So I think what could potentially happen, and I think this kind of makes sense, would be if Gruden went with one of the two vets, whether McCoy, who's got the familiarity with the system, or Keenum, who has had success in his career despite the fact that he's a journeyman, um, to go with one of those two guys for the first couple games and then put Haskins in, and hopefully Haskins shows enough that Gruden can kind of say, well, I'm developing this young quarterback. I deserve a chance to come back, give him some continuity. Um, if it were me, and like, and you take selfish motives out of the equation, and I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying it might make sense. If it were me, and I'm Dan Snyder, or I'm Bruce Allen, who I would not want to be, but if I'm one of those guys, Dwayne Haskins should be your starting quarterback. Colt McCoy's not the answer. Case Keenum's not the answer. Your hope is that Haskins is going to be the answer. Week one, NFL Sunday, September 8th, Throw Dwayne Haskins right into the fire in Philly against the Eagles. Let's see what the kids got. Um, that's what I would do if I were the Redskins. And I think it's going to be a while before they make that decision. Jay Gruden said recently they might not make that official decision until the day before the season opener, Saturday, September 7th. So we'll see here. I think it's likely that it'll be Keenum or McCoy and not Haskins. But if it were me, I would start Dwayne Haskins and just roll for 16 games with him and see what you got with the young kid. What would you what what would you have made of uh, Haskins with uh, pick six with the Giants if that would have happened? Um, I, I I just feel like I'm so negative about everything the Giants do right <laughs> now that I probably wouldn't feel good about it. And Haskins <laughs> is kind of like the anti Daniel Jones in a respect where yeah, you know I'm not going to compare them no. as as players. This is more just what I'm going to say now has to do with the talent around them. Dwayne Haskins had a lot of talent around him at Ohio State, mm. so. I think it's kind of like the people that want to talk about, you know, Dwayne Haskins setting the Big Ten record for passing touchdowns and then talk about Daniel Jones' lack of statistics. Well, you know, if you put Daniel Jones in that Ohio State offense with Urban Meyer running the show and, like, the weapons that he has around him, you know, we're talking about an entirely different story. So Mm. uh, 
I'm not going to say that Jones is going to be better than Haskins or Haskins will be, will be better than Jones. I just think maybe the, the chasm between them is not as high as a lot of people thinks it is or, or vast as people think it is. That's fair enough. And then let's round it off then with uh, Miami. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick getting the early vibes according to training camp reports. And uh, But surely, you know, considering that, that Miami's crappy offensive line, Rosen has has experience in that. So you wouldn't be surprised if he's, he's phoning. But uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the year or Josh Rosen? Oh, uh, I, I think it's going to be Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, you know, earlier today, I think even came out and said that Fitzpatrick was, uh, has the clear leg up on Rosen to be the guy. Um, I think that if you're, if you're the Dolphins, I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't think either guy's going to be capable of winning. I, I guess like if you really want to look at what the Dolphins are doing on like a grand scheme here, like like it's not about this year for the Dolphins. No. They need to acquire draft capital, obviously. They're trying to do kind of like a similar, like a Browns type approach, what Cleveland did, accumulating assets, being bad this year, maybe take a quarterback next year. I don't really think it makes a difference who starts week one because I think that if, if you're going to look at it on a macro level, like a 16-game uh, schedule, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts week one, there is a 0% chance that Ryan Fitzpatrick starts all 16 games. So Rosen is going to play, unless like the Dolphins surprise everyone in our playoff contender, which no one thinks is going to be the case, not even the Dolphins. So I, don't, I think the whole week one thing is kind of overblown as far as it concerns Fitzpatrick and Rosen. You are going to see Josh Rosen at some point this season for the Dolphins, whether Fitzpatrick gets hurt or whether he has one of those games where he throws four interceptions in the first half. It's going to happen. You will see Josh Rosen. So I, I think it's premature to kind of say if Fitzpatrick starts week one, like like Rosen's being wasted, because I think that Rosen absolutely plays this year, regardless of whether he's out there Sunday, September 8th at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, what's your thoughts on Josh Rosen's career and obviously maybe how it could play out? Because let's say they do have the number one or number two pick next in next year's draft, take a quarterback. Uh, what happens to Rosen? Well, you know, it's, it's, could he be on the street? Uh, I don't know if he'd be on the street because he's still on that rookie deal. He's yeah. still very affordable um, for at least another couple years here. And he obviously has that pedigree. And, and, and I think, you know, the thing that keeps coming up with Rosen is, and you hear it from a lot of people, and then you've got other people who come out and vociferously defend the kid. There yeah. are a lot of whispers about this kid kind of being a knucklehead as far as it concerns the off-field stuff. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not here to kind of paint it one way or another to say, like, what that means because I don't know. I quite frankly don't know the answer. I'm just saying, like, this is kind of what I hear with Rosen. Yeah. Why was a team that spent, that traded up to get him last year? Obviously, you know, they hired the air raid coach and the air raid quarterbacks available at one. But, I mean, this was kind of like, they were quick to move on from this guy. There's yeah. got to be a reason for that. And I know Rosen was bad last year, but, I mean, the Cardinals were also, like, a historically bad football team yeah. last year. I think at this point, I would kind of bet against Josh Rosen being a franchise quarterback, right? Because one team already told you that he's not the guy. And now you've got another team kind of giving you an indication that he's not the guy. And again, that remains to be seen. Um, now, is he going to be a guy that's out on the street? Maybe. I would bet against that, though, given his pedigree and given what his upside is. But I think it's tough to feel confident right now in Josh Rosen ever kind of meeting the hype um, of being one of the top you know, getting picked in the top half of last year's NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. So of, of those three teams, I suppose then Miami, uh, of Miami, Washington and, the, and your Giants, I suppose Miami are going to be the most likely to be picking a quarterback uh, in the first round next year. Oh, well, the Redskins won't be picking a quarterback no. in the first round. next. It, it's it's 100% the Dolphins. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, obviously you're, you're a keen better and uh, a gambling degenerate like myself. So uh, any any early fancies for the NFL season, either outrights or divisions? If you Say if you had £100 right now, what are you putting it on? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll give you a couple here. And I've been kind of I think that there's way too much hype around the Cleveland Browns. And I'm willing to bet against that, um, bet against them being like a, a truly tremendous team this year. And I actually think the Steelers are kind of flying under the radar. I like the Steelers to win the AFC North. Your price um, at the Colts to win the AFC South isn't as good now as it was a few months ago when you could get them at plus money. I think the Colts will win that division. Now, we want to monitor Andrew Luck's calf, which has apparently become an issue here. I kind of like the Chargers to win the AFC West. I still think the Chiefs will make the playoffs, but I think the Chiefs are likely due for some regression this year, and I think the Chargers have the best front seven, probably the best defense in the entire in the entire AFC. In the NFC North, I like the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'm kind of down on Matt LaFleur. I'm not a huge fan of LaFleur, the new Packers coach, and I think the Bears will regress a little bit defensively just because defense is less sticky year to year than offense. So I think it's probably safe to say the Bears' defense won't be as good this year, and I think Minnesota will be, uh, will be on the upswing. I like the Carolina Panthers to win the NFC South, and I know that everyone either likes the Saints or the Falcons. Cam Newton, if he plays 16 games and he's healthy this year, I like Cam's MVP odds at around 50 to 1. And I think the Panthers are going to be a damn good football team. Love the Gerald McCoy signing, the pick of the Florida State edge rusher Brian Burns in the first round and prove that front seven on defense. I really like the Carolina Panthers. And as far as a couple week one bets go, I like the Panthers, you know, plus three at home against the Rams. I think the Panthers are going to win that game outright. I think they beat the Rams um, in week number one. I loved the Giants up until the Golden Tate injury. So that was kind of that one kind of sucks so I can't really I can't really love the Giants right now the, the pick that I like the most probably in week one would be that Panthers plus three right now but still a lot of work to be done as far as it concerns week one just just for old time's sake Nick do you want to give us a, an old school pick six podcast I I love that I love the Panthers all right as far as the Carolina Panthers go Tim I love the Panthers week one plus three at home against the Rams absolutely brilliant brilliant missed that um yeah well, so before we let you go as well Nick obviously you're a keen um, pro wrestling kind of guy now I, I haven't I haven't really checked in on wrestling over the last couple of weeks or months but uh, I did see that Brock Lesnar did win a title at some point what was your immediate reaction to that well, I, I think it's kind of tough to talk about like um, micro stuff in WWE without talking about the macro, and that's the new creative changes on top with Paul Heyman running Raw and Eric yeah. Bischoff running SmackDown and Vince McMahon announcing on his call with investors, you know, reporting that the earnings weren't as good. Um, WWE's business has not been great. Now, they're flushing cash because of their TV deals, so it's not like they're going to go out of business, but yeah. like they have not been doing well. And Vince kind of announcing that he can't be in the weeds anymore. He's advancing in age, not getting any younger. Plus, the XFL is going to start next year. Mm. So I'm in very much a wait-and-see approach. WWE recently has been very bad, very bad, unwatchable at points. But I am a little optimistic here with these new creative changes here and willing to wait and give it the benefit of the doubt and see what happens. Never never, never reach the heights of the attitude here, by the way. Um, Probably not. No, No, probably not. Okay, well, on that, Nick, uh, we'll say we'll say goodbye to you. But thank you so much for for coming on, my friends. And uh, yeah, again, we'll we'll have you on very very soon indeed. And I hope the uh, Giants aren't too bad for you. Tim, appreciate it, my friends, and unfortunately, they will be. <laughs> Take care, my friend. You too. The fabulous Nick Costas there joining us to talk everything QB battles and some tips there for week one and your season outright. But that's going to do it for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't done so already, you can get us on Twitter at Full10Yards. And Full10Yards.com is the place for all your articles to do with college, NFL, Britball, betting and fantasy football. We'll be back in a couple of days. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. 
Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.